It's the football, 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 and sometimes other sports show. Here's your host, AJ Nicoletti. What up? MFFSOSS.com at MFFSOSS Twitter and Instagram. Trish.tv slash AJ Nick3. Hopefully you had a uh, happy and holy uh, holiday weekend if you were celebrating Easter or Ramadan or Passover. So uh, hopefully you had a uh, great celebration of your faith over the weekend and enjoyed some golf. Just off the top, shout out Nigeria. Okay, I got an email. <laughs> and I don't know the validity of this email, but let's read it. Here we go. Uh, Carlos. I said, hello, how's it going? Hope all is well. I have some cool information that might interest you. Your podcast, Football, 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 and sometimes other sports show, has a good performance in the Apple Podcast rankings the last 30 days. Position 93 in the football category in Nigeria. Data provided by Pod Status. I said, happy podcasting from Carlos. So, thank you, Carlos. Thank you, Nigeria. If you're listening to this from Nigeria, reach out. That's really cool. That's so cool. Now, again... I do not know the validity of that email or statistic or report, but apparently we've had a good last month in Nigeria to break into the top 100. Hey, man, that's pretty cool. Uh, if that is true. If not, that's really mean. And why would you like pick a random country like Nigeria when you say like the U.S.? Well, I guess the U.S. would not be believable. They just pick Nigeria. But then why would you give me, like, 93? Wouldn't you give me, like, I don't know, like, top 50 or something? Whatever. So if it is valid, that's awesome. If you're from Nigeria, listen to the pod, reach out. Love to hear from the audience. That'd be really cool. So um, I just remember that at the top of the show before we get into anything. You just shout out Nigeria. That was uh, my Nigerian brothers and sisters. Okay. Um, on this pod, we're going to react to John Rom. Winning the 2023 Masters. We'll do that in the kickoff. Then we'll have a full round-by-round recap of the tournament. Then we will talk about footy, a weekend soccer recap, and we look ahead to Champions League. Quarterfinal first legs happening on Tuesday and Wednesday of this week. Then we'll do some NFL headlines to get you out of here. So heavy golf, heavy footy, not a ton of NFL. Yes, I know baseball started, which I am watching the Yanks, but... It's a lot going on now, and I'm not watching any of the team besides the Yanks. And then, yes, I understand NBA is on the playoffs. I haven't watched really a second of the NBA. Um, I, I really don't know how much NBA I watch this year. Very little, very little. And hockey, I try to watch the Rangers as much as I can, but I don't have them on the cable with Xfinity, which is Garbanzo. So, um, get ready for hockey playoffs. Those are going to be always exciting. Uh, NBA playoffs and the playing game. I think it's a, a good idea by Silver, but I I just don't really care about the NBA right now. So uh, no offense to anyone who loves the NBA. Like, God bless. You can do whatever you want. It's professional sports. Uh, like whatever league you want. But NBA not on this show's radar right now. So that is what we will talk about on this show. John Robb winning the Masters. Then we'll do a Masters recap. We can soccer recap. Champions League quarterfinal. First leg NFL headlines. Okay. Kick off. John Rahm wins the 2023 Masters, the 87th playing of the tournament, and he overcame so much from the start on Thursday through the weather 
on Friday and Saturday into the 30-hole marathon on Sunday. On his first hole, he had a four-putt double bogey. Okay. He was one of the groupings that was affected and had to play on Saturday and then into uh, Sunday with that 30-hole marathon. It's already his second major. He's the first player from Europe to win both the Masters and the U.S. Open. He took back the number one ranking in the world from Scotty Scheffler, who gave him the green jacket. And he came from behind, just like he did at Torrey Pines with that U.S. Open. He came from behind at Augusta against Kepka and erased a two-shot deficit into a four-shot win. John Rahm, the Masters champion. And I mention the dreadful start. I mean, a double bogey four putt is just about the worst thing you can do on a Thursday at Augusta to just spot the entire field two shots before most people even teed off. You know what I mean? To put up through the weather delays, to come on top of that 30-hole marathon on Sunday, amazing. His second major, having already won that 2021 U.S. Open at Torrey, Came from two back in the final round at Augusta. Came from three back when he won the U.S. Open. Again, he's the first player from a European country to win both the Masters and the U.S. Open. Which, when you, I guess, look at it and look at the the major championships next to each other, and you're like, oh, that guy won that, but he didn't win this. This guy won that. You're like, oh, okay, that makes sense. But like to hear it and to know how many great European champions we've had, um that he's the first European to win both the Masters and the U.S. Open is really, really cool. It's the sixth green jacket for Spain. He's the fourth Spaniard to win the Masters, joining Seve and Olazabal, who both won it twice, and, of course, Sergio. 40th anniversary of Seve's second green jacket, and the final round was played on Seve Ballesteros' birthday. Rambat won by four shots despite trailing by multiple shots entering the final round. Only two other players have won the Masters by four-plus shots despite not leading entering the final round. Seve Ballesteros in 1983, he trailed by one, he won by four. And in 1996, Nick Faldo trailed by six, won by five uh, to put on his third green jacket, I believe, at the time. So, Rom. Again, joining Seve in another kind of statistic. He joins Faldo, who's another great European champion of the sport, as we know. Rom won for the fourth time this year, just as Scotty Scheffler did a year ago when he won the Masters. It was his fourth tournament win of the season. And with the win, he reclaimed the number one player in the world ranking from Scheffler. It's the first time ever that a current world number one put the green jacket on the player replacing him. Now, I wonder if that would have happened back in the day had they had these world golf rankings between Jack and Arnie Palmer when they would trade um, majors like that. Like, obviously, Jack would probably be number one, but maybe Arnold had a good run and then got to number one and they flipped it back, you know? Uh, a bunch of times they had put the jacket on each other, if you know your golf history. Also, Rom joins Sam Snead, who in 1952... Also made a double bogey on one and won the tournament despite that double bogey. So, Rom and Sneed aligned in that statistic. How about this one? 
couple weird ones now. Each of the last three Masters have been won by a player representing a different continent. Rom, European. This year, last year, Scotty Scheffler representing North America. And Hideki Matsuyama, the green jacket for Japan and the Asian continent in 2021. This tie is the longest streak in Masters history. So if we get a, I don't know, a South African or... Yeah, that's about it. <laughs> or an Aussie. An Aussie, yeah. An Aussie or New Zealander. Um, starting with Rom in the 2021 Open. It's the seventh straight major won by a player yet to turn 30. It's the longest streak since the Masters begun. Each of the last three Masters have been won by a player yet to turn 30. It's the longest streak in tournament history. Which is very interesting because... This is a tournament that historically you have to get some experience before winning it. A lot of guys in their 20s don't win this tournament. The, I believe the average age of the winner is somewhere in the mid-30s, if I'm not mistaken. So you do usually need some seasoning before you can put on a green jacket. However, these guys don't have as much seasoning as the previous champions because they're all under 30. The last three. Another weird stat here. But in the years ending in three, dating back to the past five decades, it's been an international champion. So Rahm in 2023, it was the 10-year anniversary of Adam Scott winning his green jacket coming out of Australia. 2003, Mike Weir, the lefty, put on the green jacket out of Canada. 93, Bernard Langer, of course, a great champion. And 83, Sevi Ballesteros from España. So a nice little fun stat. So... So many interesting uh, stats and reactions and storylines coming out of this uh, major championship for John Rahm. His second. Now he has two. JT has two. Rory has four. Brooks has four. Scotty has one. Okay, so a lot of guys assembling some majors here, and we're going to have a duel for a lot of them and not just uh 1v1 duel okay it's going to be a lot of guys gunning for these major championships this year that's for sure and finally just a really really cool um memento i don't know what you how do you describe it uh, maybe a, uh, a sign a um a point in the hero's journey that you look back on but 11.13 p.m., November 8th, 2013. John Rom, PGA, tweeted, I am going to win the Masters, and he tagged his golf coach, Tim Mickelson, at the time at Arizona State. And the picture in the tweet is a fortune cookie, and what it says is, your talents will be recognized and suitably rewarded. Panda Express, Panda Inn. And John Rom took that and said, it's, it's written, I'm going to win the Masters. And... Lo and behold, nine plus years later, nearly 10 years, okay, he puts on that green jacket, becomes the number one player in the world again, wins his second major, which a lot of guys do struggle to get, as we know. And as I made that point, also Colin has two. I forgot to mention Colin. So many guys have two now. 
but it's John Rom now. That also has two. And set a lot of cool stats and records with this win. Becoming the first European player to win the Masters in the U.S. Open, that's really cool. Doing it on Easter weekend on Seve's birthday, that's really cool. You know? Um, and the way that he did it, and as we re recap the rounds, we'll talk about uh, specific shots and stuff. But you want to talk about a Seve par on 18. The 72nd hole. Where he hit a horrendous drive that somehow bounced out. A solid second to get him back in the hole. An excellent third and then makes the par putt. What a tournament for John Rahm. A great, great golfer. And I talked about it on the preview. A guy that has all the game in the world. A guy that starts rolling in putts left and right. You don't know what you're going to do. But it was really his consistent ball striking. His consistency off the tee. And his ability to control his passion. Because I'll tell you what, folks. A lot of guys who double bogey won on Thursday, that would have been their tournament. Because they would have said, ugh. Would have got down on themselves. And that would have ejected a lot of people from the first hole of the tournament. But what Rom goes and does is shoot 65 with that double on one. So that's when you kind of knew. I said, oh, boy, like this guy is going to be a factor. And I mean, that's not really going out on a hunch. The number two player in the world at the time being like, hey, this guy's going to be a factor. But to double one on the first day. And they go shoot 65 and then to end up winning the tournament. I mean, that's unbelievable. That's really, really cool stuff. So let's get into recapping the tournament. That first round, calm weather, good scoring conditions. We had 16 rounds in the 60s and 44 rounds either under par or even par. We had a three-way tie at uh, seven under for first. 65 shot by Hovland, Rom, and Kepka. Hovland was bogey-free in the first round. Uh, bogey-free, it was his first round in the 60s at Augusta. Played the first 13 holes, 7 under, then parred in. Rom matched Hovland even after he doubled the first with that 4-putt. He had 7 birdies and an eagle. He's the first player ever to shoot 65 after doubling, double bogeying 1. Kepka, 8 birdies, 1 bogey at 13. It was from a poor tee shot. Uh, and then that was his first lead of a major since the 2019 PGA. So that was a three at uh, in first place after 18 holes, seven under 65s for those three. Then we had uh, five under 67s, Cam Young, seven birdies, but two bogeys. And then Jason Day was a five under 67 bogey free. Tied six, shooting four under 68s, Scheffler, Shoffley, Burns, Lowry, Adam Scott, Woodland, and the amateur, Sam Bennett, who would certainly be a storyline in this tournament. The group at tied 13, shooting 369, Spieth, Morikawa, Finau, and Justin Rose. Tied 17 after 18 holes with two under 70s, JT, Bradley, Cam Smith, Kirk, Fitz, Stalling, Straka, and Fox. Tied 26, one under 71s. Dustin Johnson, Max Homa, Hatton, Neiman, Matsuyama, M, Cantley, Reed, Phil, Couples, Harris English, the crew at even par, Rory, Fleetwood, Kiz, Answer, Mike Weir, Gooch, Molinari, Volner, one 
One over, Kim, Horschel, Connors, Gala. Two over, Woods, Garcia, and Bryson DeChambeau. Zal Torres, who gave the word that he was healthy, withdrew before the round. Kevin Na was four over after nine, and then he withdrew. So the second round, weather was a big factor even before the round began. They moved the tee times up a half hour. The horn ends up blowing at 3.07. They resume play at 3.28, but then they suspended play again at 4.21. They didn't make the decision to suspend play for the rest of the day until 5.46. So they pick back up in the second round, 8 a.m. on Saturday. Around 40 players had to finish their second round, and the second round ended uh, 10.51, so just short of 11 a.m. Nine rounds in the 60s, 37 rounds under par or even. The round of the day was 67, shared by Kepka, Henley, and Lee. That was before the weather, and 35 players at this point in the tournament were even par or better. Kepka was in first at 12 under, following that opening 65 with a 67, three birdies and an eagle. At the eighth hole, no bogeys for Kepka. Rom fires a three under 69 to get to 10 under, following his 65 on the Thursday. It's the first Masters ever with multiple players that were double digit under par after 36 holes. The amateur was solo third at this point, 68 68. He had the low am locked up with no other amateurs making the cut. So he was eight under. Tied at uh, fourth, six under. Morikawa went 69-69. Hovland backed it up to uh, 73, one over. So that's how he was at six uh, under. Spieth, 69-70. Day shot even par to stay at five. Burns shot 71. Cam Young shot 72. So that's the group at five under. Tied six. And... Tied 10th, Phil, Justin Rose, Woodland, Neiman, Lowry, Henley. Tied 16th at 3-under, Matsuyama, Reed, and Lee. Fox as well. Tied 20th at 2-under, Fitz, Shoffley, Cam Smith, Adam Scott, Cantley, Keegan Bradley, English, and Kim. Uh, the group at 1-under, Scheffler, DJ, Fleetwood, uh, Finau, Varner, Straka. The group at even, Homa, Hatton, Pereira, Kirk, Kim, Moore, ZJ, Couples, used were one over. Gooch, Poston, and Mitchell were two over. And the group just making the cut at plus three. Tiger, Sungjae M, Schwartzel, Horschel, Stalling, and Peters. Missed cuts. Justin Thomas, Bryson DeChambeau, Molinari, Rory McIlroy, Kevin Kisner, Danny Willett, Harmon, Watson, Corey Connors, Neiman, Kitayama, Harmon, Singh, Oosthuizen was another withdrawal who joined Kevin Na and Will Zalatoris, who had already withdrawn to this point. JT, a disappointing miscut. Rory McIlroy, 77 on that second round. A horrendous showing from Rory McIlroy that he shot even par in the first round, where there were 65s out there. So a very, very disappointing Masters from... Roy McIlroy, that's for sure. At a point on Saturday morning, the group that had gone late early was plus 16, and the groups that had gone early late Thursday, Friday into the second round were plus 112. From Data Golf, round two averages, the morning wave was plus half a stroke. The afternoon wave was plus two 
strokes. Cut line news. Fred Couples makes the cut as the oldest player ever. Tiger Woods uh, tied the cut record consecutively with Fred Couples and Gary Player. How about the live golfers making the cut? 12 out of the 18 did. DeChambeau, Cockrack, Watson, Garcia did not. And not and Ustazen had already withdrawn. Third round storyline. Bad weather. Temperature in the 40s. Wind was up. Continuing rain on that Saturday. It was split tee times and threesomes starting at 1130. The horn ends up being blown at 315. Suspended for the day shortly thereafter. Only 11 players were under par for the round. At the time of the delay, only 23 players were under par for the tournament at the time of the delay on Saturday. So they resumed Sunday at 8.30. The plan for the fourth round was hopefully to start around 12.30. Kepka had a four-shot lead over Rom at the time of the stoppage, a seven-shot lead over Sam Bennett, and an eight-shot lead over the group tied fourth, Cantley, Fitzpatrick, Morikawa, and Hovland. Tiger Woods, unfortunately, had to withdraw ahead of the restart on Sunday. He was not moving well on Saturday. I honestly think the weather had a lot more to do with it than just walking around in general. We've seen him walk around and struggle a little bit, but we've seen him be able to walk around for four, uh, for four days. But I think the weather had a lot to do with it. Unfortunately, the stops and starts really have to hurt um, his process, so... Instead of trying to gut it out there, play 30-plus holes most likely on Sunday, he said, you know what, I got to withdraw. So I don't blame him. So Sunday, immediately, if you woke up and and turned it on, because CBS had the coverage on, on Sunday morning, which was great. So they go to, I believe, the seventh hole, if I'm not mistaken. And Rom had a birdie putt. Kepka had a par putt. Kepka missed, Rom made, two-shot swing immediately on Sunday morning. It was still the third round, but it was a shot that set the tone for the rest of the day. Rom coming from behind, Kepka giving it up. And that was Kepka's first bogey since Thursday on the 13th hole where he had that poor tee shot. The lead was only one. Headed to the 13th hole, but Kepka parred and Rom's par putt lipped out. He played the hole very wrong on uh, that Sunday morning. So the lead was back to two. Rom dropped a shot at 16, so the lead was back to three with 20 holes to play. However, Kepka bogeyed 17. That was his first three putt of the week, so the lead was back to two. The third round ends at 11.50 a.m. Weather was significantly better for the finish of the third round into the fourth round. Stats for the third round, only three rounds in the 60s, 16 rounds under par or even. Sungjae Im's 67 was the round of the uh, 18 holes there. 32 players, even par or better for the tournament. Brooks Kepka still in the lead, dropping a shot with a 73. He finished at 11 under, and Rom dropped a shot as well with a 73, so he was still two back at 9 under. 54-hole leads. At Augusta, a little recent history. Six years and counting since it was less than two. Kepka a two-shot lead this year. Last year, Scheffler had a three-shot lead. And in 21, Hideki had a four-shot lead. The November Masters, Dustin Johnson had a two-shot 54-hole lead. 2019, 
Molinari had a two-shot lead that he ended up blowing, and Patrick Reed in 2018, a three-shot lead. So since 1996, 22 clear leads, 12 of them won. Of the last 13, only one of the leaders has broke 70 in round four. So that was the story with the two at the top. How about the rest of the leaderboard? Well, third, solo third, Victor Holland was eight under after shooting a two under 70. He was only three back. He only had one birdie in his first 10 holes, four bogeys, including back-to-back on nine and 10. Then he made five birdies in a row. He birdies 11, 12, 13, all three holes at amen corner, birdies the tough 14, and comes back to the par five and birdies that one as well. That jumped him back into contention. Solo fourth was Patrick Cantley, 71, 71, 68. Tied fifth, uh, five under. Matsuyama fired a two under 70. Henley a one under 71. Morikawa and Bennett were both four under. Morikawa shot a two over 74. Bennett shot a four over 76, but he was still the first amateur to enter the final round inside the top 10 since Dean Beeman in 1964. Tied nine, three under. Shoffley, Day, Reed, Rose, Larry, Woodland. Two under, tied 15th, Scheffler, Fitz, Cam Young, Neiman, M after a 67. Tied 20th at one under, Spieth, Mickelson, Lee, Fox, and Moore. The group at even, Homa, the Gala, Kim, Bradley, Finau, Hatton, Kirk Stallings. So fourth round, split tees and pairs starting at 1230. So they did start it on time in their theory. Six rounds in the 60s, 25 rounds under par or even. Phil Mickelson, 65, was the round of the day that got him into a tie for second. I didn't I'll get to it in a second. 25 players, even par or better for the tournament. So the story of the final pairing there, Rom closed the gap to one with a birdie at three and then tied the lead when Brooks bogeyed the fourth. Kepka gave Rom the lead with a bogey at six. Then Rom made birdie at eight. Kepka only made par. So then the lead was two in favor of John Rom. Both players bogeyed the tough ninth up the hill. Kepka then bogeyed 12 at Amen Corner. The lead was three. Both players birdied the 13th. Um, first Kepka's that was the first Kepka birdie in 23 holes to that point. He would he was struggling. Rom had a great shot after a poor drive into 14. He used the contour of the green to set himself up with another birdie opportunity that he made. Kepka three-putted for bogey, so it was pretty much over there. Rom made par at 15, 16, and 17. Kepka kept fighting, birdied 15 to 16, but gave it back with a bogey at 17. And then, as I said in the kickoff, Rom with a sevy par on 18, a horrendous drive, a pretty solid second that gave him a chance to hit an awesome third, which he did, and then he holds the putt to become a Masters champion. And it's something that you never forget. It's something that is part of the history and the fabric of this sport and sport in general because that is the only major in this sport that goes back to the same place every year. It honors its champions unlike any other tournament, and its history and tradition is one of the calling cards that makes it such a gigantic event that transcends. So, an awesome win for John Rahm. Congratulations to him and his family um, and his fans. Am I a huge John Rahm supporter? No, not necessarily. I recognize how great of a golfer he is. He's not 
one of the guys that I, you know, choose to root for. He's not one of my guys, but he's not a guy I was rooting against on Sunday. Unfortunately, Brooks used to be one of my guys, but then he took the live money. I don't really like live if you have not heard from this program yet, but um, I was rooting for Rum throughout this tournament. Obviously, I was rooting for Colin or Spieth to make a move, and Jordan Spieth was making a move, which we'll get to in a second, but um, not not as big of a move, I guess. So Brooks was 13 under after 42 holes of the tournament in the next 30 holes, the 12th to finish the third round, and the 18 for the final round. He was five over. And those were the 30 holes that they had to play from Sunday morning till Sunday evening. So Kepka, good that he got back in the mix. It's a healthy Brooks Kepka that cares about major championship golf. If you have seen anything about Brooks, if you watch the full swing stuff, if you knew about him beforehand, he's a guy that gets up for the major championships. He doesn't really care about other tournaments. And if he's healthy, he's always going to have a chance because he has a great mentality in these major championships and he's already won four of them. So he's going to be a factor if he is healthy. That's just how it is with him. Uh, if he's healthy and his mind's right, he has a great player. So to see him back in contention was a good sign, I guess, for Brooks Kepka and some live guys. Speaking of live guys, Phil charges into second, eight birdies. He posted eight under. The oldest player to finish in the top five of the Masters, surpassing the record of Jimmy Damaret in 1962. It was his 10th top three finish in the Masters. So... Not as many as Jack or Tiger, but still a pretty remarkable record for Phil Mickelson. Jordan Spieth had it to 8-under before bogeying the 72nd hole. Spieth made nine birdies in a final round. That ties the most birdies by any player in any final round at the Masters. He shares that record with himself. He did it in 2018, David Toms in 1998, and Gary Player in 1978. So Spieth who on Thursday, and I tweeted about it in real time, he's on the pine straw on 13 and he goes for it. Like, I don't know what Greller's doing sometimes, but you got to get in his ear, dude. Like, I'm not letting you hit yourself out of this tournament because let's just say, I don't know, he makes birdie the hard way or at least makes par. Birdie, it's a three-shot difference. Par, it's a two-shot difference. Okay? If he doesn't bogey 18... Now we're talking about a three-shot and four-shot difference that has him in a different place posting a number. So, Jordan playing some better golf, that's for sure, but sometimes I just want to be like, what the hell are you doing, man? And how about Sam Bennett, the first amateur to finish in the top 20 at the Masters since Ryan Moore did it in 2005. So you look at the final leaderboard. John Rahm finishes 12-under. 65, 69, 73, 69. Kepka and Mickelson tied second at eight under each. Kepka shot a three over 75, where Mickelson shot a very strong closing round, 65. Spieth, Reed, and Henley tied four at seven under. Reed shot 68. Cam Young shot 68. Hovland shot 74. They were both six under, tied seventh. The Gala had the Tiger chip on 16 on Sunday. He shoots 67 to get himself into solo ninth. Scotty Scheffler, Morikawa, Fitzpatrick, Shoffley, a disappointed group that will finish top 10. Tied there. Cantley, Woodland at 300. K 
Canley, who is a nice player, who another guy I don't necessarily root for, but a guy that has to play quicker. He's he's got to find a way. That was heinous what he was doing on Sunday. Bennett finishes two under. He got a really nice reception coming up the 18th green. That was really cool. Justin Rose, Shane Larry, Sung J M, Tommy Kim, Neiman, all at two under as well. Keegan Bradley, Christian Kirk, and Lee at one under, and the group at even, finishing tie for 26. Finau, Stalling, and Fox. We got five tournaments. Then our next major championship, the PGA Championship at Oak Hill. Then we will have the U.S. Open at L.A. Country Club. And then where is the Open Championship? I want to say it's either Royal Birkdale or Royal Liverpool. It's going to be at Royal Liverpool. So there you go. Okay. That's where our major championships are in golf for this season. So five tournaments, then the PGA. A couple big ones, but the next one, obviously, the big PGA. Okay. Weekend Saga recap. Start of the EPL. Man, you beat Everton 2-0. A McTominay goal opened the scoring, and Martial provided some insurance. Villa beat Forrest 2-0. The Villains are on a good roll since Emery's come in. Triore with a goal. That's 2-2 two two for him. Only Watkins keeps scoring for the Villains at Villa Park. Brentford, Newcastle. Newcastle went at 2-1. Tony missed a penalty. Then he scored a penalty. Then it was a harsh own goal that they gave against Brentford. I thought it was Joe Ellington's goal. Uh, so 1-1, and then Isak, brilliant, brilliant winner to give Newcastle the three points away from St. James Park in London. Fulham, West Ham, West Ham went at 1-0. Cruel own goal. Uh, Bowen driving the goal line and uh, cuts it back, and it goes in off a Fulham defender. So West Ham get three big points there. Leicester City, Bournemouth. Bournemouth win it 1-0. Billing pouncing on a Leicester City mistake. That gave Bournemouth the three points. They're going to appoint Dean Smith, Leicester City are, to replace Brendan Rodgers. Tottenham and Brighton. Stellani and Deserby uh, both get sent off in this one. The managers, they had an argument before the game. They had an argument during the game. They had an argument, it seems like, everywhere. Humming uh, Soane, brilliant strike. Gave Tottenham a 1-0 lead. Dunk leveled the terms with a headed goal off a set piece. Then Harry Kane, big goal, gave Tottenham the three points. Wolves, Chelsea at the Monliu. Nunes, what a strike by Nunes to uh, give Wolves a 1-0 lead that they would hold on. And Chelsea do not score again. Southampton, Man City. City win at 4-1. De Bruyne assists to Holland. De Bruyne assists to Grealish. Holland overhead bicycle kick for his brace. Mara brought one back for Southampton, but then uh, Holland got subbed off, and they won a penalty, and Alvarez scored for Man City. Then we had Leeds, Crystal Palace on Sunday. Leeds score first. Bamford gives them a goal, but then Crystal Palace score five unanswered. They win at 5-1. Guille, Ayu, Eze, Ayu, Edward. Elise had multiple assists. He was brilliant pulling the strings in the absence of Zaha. And Roy Hodgson has Crystal Palace on the bounce and hopefully out of the drop zone. Then we had Liverpool and Arsenal at Anfield. Martinelli, uh, the ball falls to him after Van Dyke deflected it right in his path. He beats Allison 1-0. Arsenal, then more poor defending from Liverpool. Ball comes in. Jesus free header makes it 2-0. Salah scores a goal. Then Liverpool get a 
penalty that he should have equalized. He pulls the penalty wide, but they still level the contest. Trent Alexander-Arnold, Meg Zinchenko, plays the ball on the far post. Firmino loves scoring against Arsenal. Last time he's going to play Arsenal, and he comes off the bench and rescues a point for Liverpool. Now, at the end of the match, Arsenal had chances to win, sure, but Liverpool had multiple chances. Ramsdale made two great saves, two great saves that I think he's been a great keeper, but I don't know if he has any right making the two saves that he made. And then also, Mo Salah got pulled down in the box, no call. So, classic. Um but a 2-2 draw. Arsenal have yet to put this title away. City, we know, under Pep Guardiola, have had unbelievable run-ins. They've kept Liverpool at bay. Uh, the year Liverpool were right on their heels, and if City dropped a point, Liverpool were going to win the title, and City won all their games coming in. You've seen them just do that and say, okay, we'll just win them all. No big deal. So, you know, City's going to push here. Can Arsenal continue to get results and win matches? Because they are ahead, yes. But this was, I guess, a stepping stone to not lose. But then again, it was a missed opportunity being up to nil. No, that's for sure. La Liga, Real Madrid, Villarreal, Villarreal win 3-2. Valencia, Atletico, Atletico win 2-1. Barca and Girona draw nil-nil. So, Barca looks like to be clear in La Liga. Serie A, we already know Napoli's clear. It's about Champions League spots. Inter and Salernitana Calcio draw 1-1. Napoli beat Lecce 2-1. Di Lorenzo scoring. AC Milan and Empoli draw 0-0. Bologna beat Atalanta 2-0. Turin, Roma. Roma win 1-0. Dybala, PK. Lazio, Juventus. Lazio win 2-1. Bundesliga, Dortmund, Union Berlin. Dortmund win 2-1. That's a big match. Malen and Makoko, the goal scorers for Dortmund. Bayern beat Freiburg 1-0. DeLitt, Golasso, and Rebel Leipzig beat Hertha Berlin 1-0. League 1, PSG bounce back. They beat Nice 2-0. Messi scoring and Sergio Ramos scoring on a Messi assist. All right, Champions League quarterfinal first legs. Man City, Bayern first up. It's a titanic matchup. They've only met in the group stages before. Both teams are unbeaten in the competition, but Bayern's the only team that's won all its games. Um, they've only given up two goals. Those were both in the same game. So in eight matches, they have seven clean sheets. Uh, City, Pep is chasing City's first Champions League. City do not lose at home. Last Champions League loss at home was uh, in 2018 in September. Team news for them, Phil Foden is out. Akanji is on a yellow card suspension. Ederson, we know, will be the keeper. The question mark is the defense. Stones, Akanji, Ruben Diaz, Ake, Walker, Laporte. Really, six for four. Diaz will be in the lineup. He really likes Ake. He really likes Akanji. And it seems like Stones will be ahead of Laporte. And if he wants to play a true right back, sure, he could play Walker. But it doesn't seem like he cares. He seems like he just wants to have defenders on the field when it goes the other way. Rodri will be the holding midfielder, and it seems like he's played De Bruyne and Gunawan and Silva together. Grealish and Holland up front. No Foden, but Mares is obviously an option off the bench uh, for Pep Guardiola. So for Bayern, Teichel is in for Nagelsmann. Neuer's out with a knee. Hernandez, we know, is out with a knee that he suffered at the World Cup, and Chupa Motang also out with a knee. Kimmich and Maserawi are on yellow cards. Somer is going to be between the posts. Interesting calls at defense and lineup for Teichel. 
Pavard, Avamecano, DeLitt, Davies. He's got Jao Cancelo. He's got uh, Stanisic. Blinn can also play for him in a pinch, but probably not in this game. Midfield, Goretzka and Kimmich. Most likely the pair. Graven Batch could come in. Uh, but then you have Komen, Muller. I think you've got to play Musiala, even though I love Sonny and Gnabry. And with Drew Moting out, Sadio Mane's got to get a start up front, in my opinion. Now, you could play Muller up there, and then you could play Musiala behind him. And then two out of the three from Komen, Sonny, and Gnabry out wide. Totally his call, obviously. But that is the storyline in that Titanic matchup, which is, I mean, that's going to be must-watch. That's for sure. The other match on Tuesday, Benfica enter enter the big favorite, but Benfica revels in this underdog role. They're the third team that's unbeaten in this Champions League, joining Bayern and Man City. Six wins, two draws, but they have not been past the quarterfinal since 1990. Otamendi is out on suspension. Baz out with a knee. Gudesh is out with a knee, and Draxler's out with the ankle. Gonzalo Ramos, Florentino, and Jao Mario, Mario, sorry, are on yellow cards. Uh, Lacadimos will be the keeper. Most likely, Gilberto, Antonio Silva, Morato, and Grimaldo on defense. Florentino, Chiquinho in the midfield. And then maybe Joe Mario, Osineres, Neres, and Gonzalo Ramos, who is the key man that Inter will have to defend against. Gonzalo Ramos is a big-time player for this Benfica team. Now for Inter, Skinar is out. Uh, Kalangalu is out. Bastoni, Di Marco, uh, DeMarco, sorry, Ngazi, and Latoro Martinez are on yellow cards. Oana will be the keeper. Most likely a three at the back with Darmian, Acerbi, and Bastoni, possibly DeVridge, possibly D'Ambrosio. Dumfries will be the right wing back. DeMarco will be the left wing back unless Goosens gets in. Midfield, most likely, of Barella, Brozovic, and Mkhitaryan, and Latoro Martinez and Zeko up front, unless they want to give Lukaku a big start. And they could also go with Correa up front for that inter-team, who, hey, if they get a result at Benfica, should have it wrapped up coming back to the San Siro, but we'll see about that. Um, next matchup, this one on Wednesday, Real Madrid and Chelsea, third year in a row. They've played Chelsea two years ago in route to winning, Real Madrid last year in their route to winning. Chelsea are on the ropes. They have not played well. And it is Real Madrid's competition, starting with Real here. They've gone through the past 10 times they've reached the quarterfinal stage. The last time the club exited the Champions League at the quarterfinal stage was the 2003-2004 season where they lost to uh, Monaco. Mendy's out with the calf. Alaba is doubtful with a muscle injury. Nobody on a yellow card. Camavinga could play right back instead of Nacho. Then Choameni would come into the midfield to replace Camavinga. But it could be Cachua, Carval, uh, Carvajal, Militao, Rudiger, Nacho, Cruz, Camavinga, Modric, Valverde, Benzema, Vinicius up front for Real. Now Chelsea with Frank in as the caretaker manager. Could go 3-4-3. Could go 4-3-3. Broja's out. Aspilicueta is out. Tiago Silva is out. Mason Mount is doubtful with an ab injury. Kepa, Tiago Silva, Fernandez, Gallagher, James, Koulibaly, and Murdoch all on yellow cards. Kepa will probably be ahead of Mendy in between the posts. If they go at three at the back, Fafana, Koulibaly, Kukurella will probably be the three. Uh, Badashi and Chilabala could get in there. 
James will be the right wing back. Cho will be the left wing back. Kovacic, Fernandez, Conte, two out of those three, or maybe three out of those three, and then Jao Felix and Havertz up front, or two out of those three, and Sterling comes into the front. So that's a 3-4-3. If they go 4-3-3, it's either Cusarella or Chilwell left back. Rishines will be right back. Then he's got to pick uh, two out of the three from Fafana, Koulibaly, Bashadi, and Chilabala. Kovacic, Fernandez, Conte could then play as a three in the midfield, and then up front he could go with Jao Felix, Havertz, and Sterling. Pulisic, Aubameyang, Murdoch on the bench, Loftus-Cheek, uh, Zachariah could help in the midfield. So that's the story in that matchup. And then finally, we have two Italians matching up, Milan and Napoli. Napoli, the league leaders, in uh, and we know Milan are the Italian-European giants. Napoli have only conceded have only conceded four losses this season. In Champions League, they have lost only one fixture, a 2-0 defeat to Liverpool in Anfield. The four defeats conceded by Napoli this season have all been goalless outings for Spatelli's side, the manager. Of the seven wins in eight games recorded by Napoli in the Champions League this season, they've won five games by at least three goals. Milan have not won any of the last four home fixtures against Napoli. They've resulted in three losses and one draw. But... We know the story of this competition. It seems like the big teams with the big history, with the big pedigree, find themselves in the later stages of this competition. A Real Madrid, a Liverpool, an AC Milan. Pioli, the AC Milan manager, is seeming to call on that um, narrative. Quote, when the time comes, we'll dive into the Champions League matches. And I know what will be said and thought. We will be the underdogs now we will be the favorites. That's not how things work. There will be two very intense and difficult matches. Napoli are a great team, and it's still a great uh, Champions League quarterfinal. Milan team news. Kalaflu is out with a calf or doubtful. Balotore, Krunic, Tamari, Tanali on yellow cards. Uh, Majin uh, will be the keeper. Calabria, Calabria Tamari, Kair, Hernandez, probably the back four. Uh, Tiao, Balotore, Des, Florenzi in competition there. Kruic, Tonali, Benesser could be the midfield. Bakioko and Messias also in competition there. And then the front three will probably be the front three. Diaz, Giroud, Rafael Leao. Rafael Leao has been awesome for AC Milan. Uh, Rebic and Origi off the bench there. Napoli have big team news. It looks like Osman will be out the star striker. And Simeone is doubtful. They got Kim, Juan Jesus, and Politano on yellows. Murat will be the keeper. Di Lorenzo, uh, Romani, Kim, Mario Rui will be the back line. Angisa, Labatka, Zelensky probably in the midfield, maybe Politano. But up front with Osama being out, Lozano, Raspadori, and Kravashella will be the attack. Kravashella's had an excellent season for this Napoli team so far, and he will be a big, big part going forward for them. So, Milan Napoli, I think Napoli's had a great season. Not that they've checked out, but they have pretty much won the league. Can they get, can they wake up and get fired up for this? Obviously, it's Champions League. Obviously, you should, but Milan has the pedigree, the history. So we'll see with that one. 
Chelsea or Real Madrid, I mean, you got to pick Real Madrid, right? Chelsea are in absolute um, disaster mode right now. Benfica, Inter, you got to lean on Inter because when they've got to this stage, Benfica have lost. And then City and Bayern, I would love to take Bayern, and I will, but I am concerned about City, and I am concerned about, even though Erling Holland hasn't beat Bayern, te- uh, Bayern teams when he was in Dortmund, or even Salzburg, I'm pretty sure they played him. He doesn't have the he didn't have the team then that he does now in Man City. So looking forward to some great great matchups in the Champions League quarterfinal. We'll recap them all those first legs on Thursday's show. All right, NFL headlines, and then we'll get you out. Not much with the two storylines that have been headlining our headline segment, for lack of a better word. There, Lamar update, Rogers update, Lamar update. We're hinting at a Ravens return because he was with the newest Raven, OBJ, who signs for one for about 15, maybe up to 18 uh, mil. So Beckham and Lamar partying together, seeing together, FaceTiming, talking about being teammates, you would think, since Beckham just did sign with the Ravens, who Lamar is technically, I would say, you know, under contract with. It's not, you know, a done deal, but he is franchise tagged. Yes, teams can come and make offers for him, but uh, he is he is technically a Raven. So they bring in OBJ. They're seen together. People thinking that he's hinting at the return to the Ravens and coming back to it. So that's the update with Lamar, the update with Aaron Rodgers. Joe Douglas, quote, Rodgers will be a Jet. He'll be with us. So. That's the GM of the Jets, if you're not familiar, Joe Douglas, who does a pretty good job, in my opinion. He's assembled a pretty talented roster. They got the quarterback wrong, obviously, in the draft, but they're trying to go get a quarterback to win now right um, with this season, and it will be Aaron Rodgers, according to Joe Douglas and Aaron Rodgers, as we know, on the McAfee Show. So we'll see what happens with the latest with the Jets. Now, again, Craig Carden making up a story that the Niners are going to jump in for Rodgers now. Uh, So that's the Lamar update. That's the Aaron Rodgers update. Teams are asking Arizona reportedly if the number three overall pick is available. So wondering if there's a team that likes maybe one of the other quarterbacks, not Stroud, not Young, not Richardson, maybe Will Levis. I don't know, but maybe they like one of the guys that they know is going to be there. Again, for me, Anthony Richardson is a prospect. He's not a done deal like Bryce Young played in 100 more bigger games than him and 100 more bigger moments and got big results. And Andy Richardson wasn't that good on a talented Florida team. Like, I don't want to hear any excuse about Florida not having talent. I don't. That's crazy. Now, do they do they have the Tebow year talent? No, absolutely not. That's not what I'm saying. But to, not, to say that you don't have the talent level at Florida, get lost. Please. So the Andy Richardson stuff still doesn't make a ton of sense to me when Bryce Young, all he did was go out there and win football games. And, hey, even give C.J. Stroud some credit. He's won a ton of football games, too. Richardson hasn't even won nearly as many. And that means something to me. I understand these combine guys and these scouts that don't watch a second of college football except for all 22 and combine. What about the games, guys? Why Stop taking plays out of context. And keep them in the context of the game. So, back to the point. Arizona, teams are calling them, asking if three is available. The Titans and their star defensive tackles, Simmons, 
have agreed to a four-year, $94 million extension. And that's good for him. He's a good player. And Tyreek Hill making some noise. One, saying he would have been in Cleveland if they paid him. And then also saying that after this Dolphins contract, he's going to retire. So Tyreek Hill has already made up his mind. So Dolphins fans, don't think about an extension. Don't think about a future with Tyreek Hill. Just think about this contract and winning a Super Bowl with him before he calls it a career because he's going to leave apparently. So that's the storyline with Tyreek Hill and the Dolphins. So a heavy golf pod. Some big soccer talk there in the middle and a little NFL talk, but that is our Tuesday pod. Um, and again, we're going to keep doing the two a week until I would say the soccer season's done. Um, and then probably going to one a week for the golf majors. I would say by the U.S. Open, we'll probably be down to one a week. Uh, maybe not the PGA, depending on the PGA. I think the PGA is still going to be going on when there's footy going on. So, well, possibly U.S. Open will be down to one show a week. But until then, for this month of April and probably for the month of May, we'll still be doing two shows a week. So, that is the plan. Again, congratulations to John Rom, the Masters champion, the 87th and 2023 Masters champion. John Rom, what a story. His second major championship. So hopefully you had a great weekend and enjoyed it. Enjoyed our recap on this Tuesday program. Thursday we'll recap some footy and look ahead to some more footy. How about that? Alright, everybody have a great week. Talk to you Thursday. Until then, peace. That's the name of it? Guys, check out his podcast. That sounds like my kind of podcast. Football, 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 and sometimes other sports show. Sounds like me.